0: Did you ever get that Apple Watch mic?
1: I did. I got it the next day, actually. Oh, yeah? Because after we finished recording, I called DPD, the delivery company. Oh. And I told them that the delivery driver's a liar. Um, And I think the lady believed me. Like, she actually, I could tell she believed me. Because it was like, here's the thing. I already had a different delivery driver deliver me a different DPD package that morning. I was like, so you know I was in. Right? Like, mm. we can't get around this. You know I was in. And then, you know, they sent me one of the, the, the tracking information had like a photo, right? Which was a photo of nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've gotten those.
1: Which the photo eventually ended up disappearing from the site. And I was like, Santa, I was like, come on, we all know what happened here. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, okay. And then she ended up putting through some expedited delivery and it came to me the next day.
0: I'm glad you got your Apple Watch in the end.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I actually really like it. Uh, I'm I'm really happy with it. Like... The LTE thing is good. Um, I've been going swimming again, and I found the pool, which is relatively like in a health club, relatively close to me. And I really like that. Like during my breaks, like when I start to, you know swim for like fifteen minutes or whatever, take a take a break for a few minutes. I can like check my text messages at the poolside. Like it's it's like this cool little thing. Like I'm I'm really excited about the LTE watch. Honestly, like it's uh It's becoming a more and more interesting product. Like I was thinking to myself the other day, like, what is the future of this? And I was imagining like this watch that you could just take off the band and like unfold it. So it becomes a bigger device. And then you like fold it and put it back on again. Like this is like a 20 years in the future. What do these products look like? And this was this thing that I imagined of like, well, we just have everything strapped to our wrists. And then you just take it off the band. And then it's that's your little pocket computer. And then you put it back again. Like, it was just making me think about... It has been making me think about where this stuff is going.
0: I think at that point, it's easier to just install the display in your eyes than to make a thing that unfolds into something bigger and folds back up and goes on
1: your wrist. I will say that, like, Samsung already... They're, like, saying that there is a potential they may have have a folding phone next year. Like, they're already saying this, which I think is... Very bold from them to to say something like that, but like one of their executives was like, "Oh yeah, the note will fold in half next year." It's like, whoa, Samsung, don't say stuff like that. But the the folding screen technology, I think, is closer than we think it is, honestly.
0: I can I can just see the the executive being pulled off stage as he's saying this thing by the underlings who have to actually make it happen. What did
1: I say he's called? Like a crook, like a shepherd's crook? Is that what they're called? Like one of the like know. those shepherds crooks just comes and just pulls him off, like just grabs him <laughs> by the neck and just like slides him off the stage. He's on a little wheelie chair and then they never he was never heard from again.
0: It's a whole bunch of engineers who are pulling on that thing. We have to actually make that. You can't just that's not how technology works. You can't just promise it.
1: <laughs> like there's that story of um when FaceTime was announced and Steve Jobs said on stage that they were going to be submitting it all to the standards bodies, and like it was just never true, it was just something he said. And like There are stories of engineers being like, what? <laughs> no, we're not. Like, this isn't a thing we can do. So did you get yours? Did you get one? Because I know you were like 10 million in the queue or something.
0: Uh, my Apple Watch has not yet arrived. But the dot sticker that is going to cover up the red dot on my Apple Watch has arrived.
1: Oh, that's good news. So, <laughs> Stick it to I'm,
0: I'm, I'm 50% of the way there, I guess, is, my, is where I currently am. I, I, I don't ever see
1: the red dot. Like, th- this is my thing. Like, I don't see it. I don't care about it. Like, I only ever see it if I look at my hand in an odd position, right? Like, well, I'm looking at my watch right now, and I would never know.
0: The dot's not about you, Mike. The dot is about flashiness, a certain kind of flashiness that I have zero interest in.
1: You don't want to show everybody the products that you own? You don't want to like walk down the street, big man on campus?
0: No, no. Oh, okay. I, I, I find I would literally have paid extra money for a more innocuous version of the watch. Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think what the upper limit is, and it is reasonably high that I would pay to have a watch that is the incognito version. I don't, I don't want the red dot on my watch. I personally think it is obnoxious and I really think that the whole reason that red dot was chosen, everyone's saying like, oh, it, it clashes with the colors of everything. It's a terrible choice. It's like, yes, but that's why it was chosen. It's, it's a, it's a monkey signaling option, right? That's, that's what it is, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's. It is chosen to clash so that it is visually obvious to people that you have the new thing, and i have I have zero interest in that so that that is that is why dot stickers have been ordered to my house, and I will try a bunch and see which one which one sticks the best and works, but it is really irritating to me that this is even a thing that I have to consider. And I just don't like it. I
1: feel like just some enamel paint and a steady hand would probably be the better option than those little stickers. Like I can't imagine any sticker lasting more than a couple of days. So it's just rubbing yeah. against your hand all the time. Like that is going to come off immediately.
0: That that's why I'm um, that's why I'm really frustrated about it. It's it's just annoying. I don't like it, and it's like oh, thanks, Apple. You you're forcing me to show off to the world that I have the new thing in a way that I really don't want to that makes me that makes me feel like I'm a marketing shill for you. <laughs> it's, I just don't I just don't like it I really resent it. It's just, it's the same way I've never liked the white earbuds and the white pencil is there something that feels like they're they're designed to be eye-catching to help Apple not because they're they're the colors or the options that I would actually want. So mm-hmm. okay. Anyway, long story short no new Apple Watch in my house yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've had it for like a couple of weeks or whatever. I am, I am a big fan of it. Like it's it's really, really great. I like it a lot. Like, it's I think it's opening up a new world for the device. I'm really excited for you to get yours actually because I'm I'm very keen to see what you think of it because I think like me, you will see from this device like, oh, this is what the Apple Watch was supposed to be. It really does have more of that feel to it.
0: Yeah, this is the obvious direction that it's supposed to go in. I think the curious thing that I will just see is, like, with all of these things, figuring out how does it best fit into your life. Because your use case of um, checking text messages at the gym is, like, my nightmare use case. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. actually want it for that. So it'll just be interesting to see, like, how does this this fit into my life and uh, how many developers decide to take advantage of the fact that the device is now a a cellular device. Because I think most of the things that I would probably find the most useful to have a cellular connection on on the watch, like the various apps that I use, uh, might not be updated for cellular connection for a long time, if ever.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert, not many right now. There is a word that I struggle with being an English person talking to Americans, And that word is the uh, Tex-Mex style food with the shells that you fill up. Do you know what that, can you tell me what they're called? Do you mean tacos? Mm Mm-hmm. I can't, there is not a way that I can say that word and it sound accurate or legitimate in any way. What, what, What do you mean? Do you say it like a fraud? Okay. So there are two different ways to say it, right? Like there's the way that would make me sound like an American and there's the way that makes me sound like a British person and neither of them work. Just say it the way you would normally say it. Tacos.
0: No, that's all wrong.
1: Exactly, right? And then what so we're gonna say like an American, like tacos. Like it doesn't need, see, it doesn't work, right? Like there is no way for me to say that word and it sound legitimate.
0: The second one is much better. I'm gonna tell you right now the second one is but much it's, better.
1: But it's still like I'm putting on this weird fake American accent for one word. Like it doesn't work and then that's like fine. I can't I can't I straighten it fine. out in my brain when I'm saying it in a sentence. It's like a nightmare. Another one of these words is the surname of somebody who we have been seeing a lot of pictures of recently. Derek Jeter. Jeter? How do you say that name? Is that right? I can't help you because I don't know who that person is. Hmm. See, I I think the way you're supposed to say it is it's got more of like a D sound in it, which is like... Like
0: Jeter or something
1: like that. Jeter, right? yeah. You see, see, you could say it right, but I can't yeah, say yeah, it the right.
0: same way I say it like water. Yeah, like there's a D in water. Exactly. Right. So
1: this is there is this person. His name is Derek Jeter, and I don't. All I know is he's something to do with baseball. I don't really know much more about him. Is it baseball? I don't even know if it's baseball. I'm assuming it's baseball, but I don't know. I... You, do you know anything about this person?
0: Okay, background for the confused listener at this point is. On Twitter, I don't know, a couple days ago, mm-hmm. suddenly it felt like hundreds of people were sending you and me photos of this man at a desk yeah. with two iPads on his <laughs> desk. And I retweeted one of these because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, hashtag multi-pad lifestyle. Great. This is on brand. I retweet this. It's a nice photo of a man at a desk. But the, the these tweets just kept rolling in and eventually I finally figured wait a minute this is like a this is like a real person this is someone in I just thought it was i don't know I just thought it was just some random photo of some guy at a desk but the sheer volume of these things made me eventually realize that this guy is some sports guy but i, I I'm afraid Mike I cannot tell you anything about this person because I know literally nothing about this person. I would have just thought this was a, a photo spread of people working at offices in some magazine that everybody was sending us. I didn't realize it was it was like a real guy.
1: Wikipedia tells me that Derek Sanderson Jeter is an American businessman, a professional baseball executive who is the CEO and part owner of the Miami Marlins, which is an MLB team. And he used to be a, a baseballer himself um, at one point in his life and apparently was very successful. At that, which is why he's so known. And I think he played for the New York Yankees for a long period of time because there are lots of pictures of him on his Wikipedia page um, wearing the New York Yankees jerseys.
0: Yeah, unless he played for the New York Yankees while Larry David owned them. I like I can make no connection to this person.
1: So that's who he is. And. He is using, he's dual wielding iPad Pros on this desk Mm. here, which is like 12.9 inch serious iPad Pros. And that, he is a real proponent of the multi-pad lifestyle. Two 12.9s, that is, that's really serious.
0: (laughs) The thing that's funny to me about this is a while ago, I was working in the public lobby of my office building and I had brought down into this sort of public workspace my two 12.9 inch iPad pros and I had them just in front of me working working side by side on on a thing so I was like writing a script on one of them and I had some research notes probably evernote open up on the other screen with a little thing to type on I was kind of going back and forth between the two of them and I had headphones on but I, I just happened not to have any music on them and I saw the people next to me start pointing, and I overheard that they started talking about this real weirdo who's over there using two iPad no Pros. No way!
1: <laughs> yeah, oh my god!
0: It's just like, I'm pretending that I don't hear you! Like, I'm just gonna keep working away at this thing. Uh, but yeah, I think if... if It's notable if somebody is using two really big iPad Pros. It just looks... It looks weird. I think that's also partly why it's so eye-catching in this photo, that this guy has this, this huge desk with two big iPads on them I think it's still it still looks visually weird to people Mm -hmm. we haven't yet reached the Picard point where you can just have iPads spread all around you and it's just a visual indicator of oh yes this is a person who's very busy and working on a lot of things Uh, but yeah so we got sent this photo quite a lot but I I felt a kinship with this photograph yep and the and the anonymous man contained within it who he is and what he does we will never know
1: i, I there are things <laughs> every now and then something like this happens and it's so fun for me because there's a social media manager that like can't understand what's going on yes right because yes. like you get a bunch of people there, are like including me and you in the tweet and like hashtag multi-pad lifestyle and it's like you can only imagine that there is a person sitting in front of tweet deck and they have no idea what's happening
0: <laughs> yes of course, yeah, yeah. They're sitting in front of TweetDeck. They have all the columns open, and they're they're saving the multi-pad lifestyle column search and thinking, "I don't understand. I don't understand what internet lever or button we have stumbled upon here." But we've we've stepped on a thing with just this press photo. Yep, of our CEO doing business.
1: Because like, there are obviously a lot of people replying to that tweet and they're all saying whatever they're saying. But you'll start mm. to see this trend. Like one in every 10 is referencing these two people and or this weird hashtag, which when you read it <laughs> out, doesn't make any sense because it's Malt iPad. What, is that? what does this mean? What does any of this mean? But it's it's just me and you living our lives. I, I have to say, Malt iPad lifestyle, the way that it's settled out for me, well, I'm still a big proponent. I tend not to use them together very often but i interchange between them all that mm-hmm. that's kind of how the multi-pad lifestyle has manifested for me because you know the multi-pad lifestyle is whatever you make of it there must just be more than one ipad
0: mm-hmm.
1: like if you want to live the kitchen you know I have an ipad in the kitchen and an ipad that you use on the in the in the front room on the sofa watching tv you live the multi-pad lifestyle we all can <laughs>
0: But i I agree it's the same same thing for me. like that's that's why it, it's a it's a rare situation where i'm I'm using really two of them at the same time. it just I can't even remember why on that particular day it just worked out that I was. Yep, but yeah I'm doing the same multipad lifestyle thing that that you are in, uh, as I've mentioned before, I really like separating out workspaces and different devices for different kinds of things. And so that that's the way that i I still use it is like, ah okay, here is couch iPad which is for goofing off and for nonsense. And like, here is work iPad. And these, and these devices are different physical sizes. They have different looks. And I find that really helpful to reinforce in your mind, like, what is this for? What are you supposed to be doing right now?
1: I have too many iPads in my house right now, though.
0: Because <laughs> like, I'm oh, yeah. still
1: dealing with like the movement of the old ones like mm-hmm. where do they go who like what family member will take this one like what room in the house will this one be stationed in like the, the bringing in of two new ipads like earlier this year i haven't yeah. yet shook out where everything's going yet so they were like i will just happen upon one which in a place it's like oh underneath this notebook is my old <laughs> 9.7 inch ipad pro i didn't know you were under there yeah, i'm still trying to filter all that through
0: yeah, the Grey household is definitely going through the same thing between myself and my wife and our old iPads because the introduction of the iPad Pros with pencils has now made every non-pencil iPad just dead to us. And I was like, oh, okay. There's no place to shift these. And yeah, we there's, there's a little sad pile of iPads that we need to figure out something to do with at some point of, oh, these are the pencilless iPads. They exist for us no more.
1: Did the Grey household eradicate iPad minis did that is that something that ended up happening
0: yeah that's that's a thing that has ended up oh, happening okay uh much much to the sadness of an unspecified other member of mm-hmm. the household mm-hmm. uh yeah the, the iPad mini because it lacks pencil support which is still a thing I think that it should have uh it just became untenable because of RSI issues and the need to keep using a pencil as input. For someone who may or may not be my wife who uses the iPad on the couch quite a lot. Uh, so yes, there, there's no more mini use in this household And uh, it's it's funny, I was actually just talking to my parents and my mom is a big fan of the iPad mini. She's like holding on to this sad iPad mini that's that's really dying. And she's just she's still hoping for this. She's like, oh, I'm sure any day they're going to come out with one with pencil support. Like, I don't think so, mom. I think you gotta I think you gotta let it go. But that that might be the last iPad mini that exists in the greater extended gray family is is that one. So, iPad minis, they're on the way out.
1: We never fully eradicated the iPad mini from this household. It's still sitting like in the living room, right? Like it's still there. Um mm-hmm. and I don't know how Looking much it's sad. getting used, but like it's still there when we've had many conversations <laughs> about like why it shouldn't anymore because, you know, you've got to try and transition, like you don't want to get too used to it, but like it still exists.
0: So like... I'd- oh, wait. I just realized. I realized there's one more. There's one more iPad mini I forgot about. And it is the iPad mini that I never see because it is a dedicated sound machine for uh, white noise in the bedroom. So we have a speaker that has a button that you can turn on and off. And then it just it just plays white noise to help sleep. And I forgot that the, the audio wire that is coming out of that speaker is plugged in. Into an iPad Mini, which has sat in a drawer untouched for years.
1: So this is an app that is running constantly, like twenty four seven.
0: It's just yeah, it's just uh, the music player, right? I have a file that's just a white noise file, and it's just play, it's just playing on repeat one in the wow. music app on that iPad, because it's easier just to press the physical button on the top of the speaker. Because when you're waking up, it's easier to like you turn off the white noise. And again, it's like it's it makes it simple. It makes it easier to wake up and and then you turn it on when it's bedtime. Uh, So you just press the button instead of fiddling around with the iPad. But I totally forgot that that iPad is even in the drawer somewhere, just plugged into the wall doing repeat one forever. That's iPad retirement.
1: This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Casper. Most people don't spend any time thinking about the science behind a mattress. Why would you? Well, if you work at Casper, you definitely do. They have a team of 20 engineers that design their mattress, with the feedback of a community of nearly half a million sleepers. The Casper team are just a bunch of engineering nerds. They dig as far as possible into the science of sleep and the technology to deliver it, and they put that expertise into creating a mattress that combines pressure-relieving, supportive memory foam with a breathable, open-cell layer for all-night comfort. Don't just take my word from it. Fast Company recently named Casper the most innovative brand of 2017 for this reason. Casper will deliver their mattress to you in a box that you can get upstairs. You'll be able to open it up, put it onto your bed, and it will breathe to life So you're ready to sleep on it, to feel the comfort every single night, to be sleeping at a temperature regulation so you'll feel nice and cool. You won't get too hot. It's lovely, lovely stuff. Buying a Casper mattress is so easy and completely risk free. They offer free delivery and free returns to the US, Canada and the UK too, and they ship directly to your door. With Casper, you get to actually sleep on the mattress before you make your decision. And since we spend a third of our lives on our mattresses, it's important to get a feel for it before committing. That's why Casper gives you 100 nights to try it out. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund everything to you. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com cortex and using the code cortex at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. We thank Casper for their support of this show. You mentioned sitting in a lobby doing some work in an office building which made me wonder we haven't checked in for a while on your office situation and yeah. I, and I had an image of you like a, a gray that sits in a lobby is a gray that's trying to <laughs> avoid something you know like I can't imagine you wanting to be sitting in a lobby so if it's in a lobby of an office building i'm assuming the office building that you're in is your office building and if you're in a lobby some something's pushing you there
0: uh i guess it has been a long time since we've done an update Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, all right let's cast our mind back a long time ago Mm -hmm. i feel like this is this is a story i don't even know where we left off Anymore. I think the last
1: so time we spoke about this, there were like images of whiteboards with motivational words on them and like graphs and like be the best you you can be, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Inspiration mm-hmm. on a wall on whiteboards with my neighbor. Uh, okay, alright. Let's let's spool up this story. As longtime listeners of the show may be aware, I was increasingly annoyed by my office neighbor in my office. Uh, talking on the phone, talking to China, his nonsensical and comic notes to himself on a whiteboard that I would have to see when I passed his office, bothering me for no good reason, but they just kind of work
1: Every single time you were there, no matter the time, day,
0: hour, like none of it <laughs> <Yeah>. mattered. <laughs> Didn't matter. Uh, but then more more genuinely, just the the inconvenience of his schedule lining up exactly with my schedule, of being there super early in the morning and super late at night. So there's just the two of us in these offices next to each other. And I want to be able to talk out my scripts out loud and just so aware that this person is right next to me, hearing thunder sounds and repeated sentences over and over again. So before the summer rolled around, I realized, you know what? This office, it's not exactly working for me. Maybe I found myself in the lobby one too many times working on iPads uh, instead of in the actual space that was upstairs that was rented. And I was thinking forward about what was going to be happening over the summer and how I was going to be gone a very long time. And I was also thinking about the very high rent on this place. And I thought, you know what? The hell with this. I'm out of here. I'm going to cancel because I'm going to be gone for a couple of months over the summer anyway. And I I couldn't abide with... Spending the money on a place that I was finding myself not conducive to work anyway, and then also paying for a couple of months when I wasn't going to be there, so I thought it's over. We're done.
1: Did you put the room back together as you found
0: it? No, okay. I, I picked up. I picked up my iPad. And I walked out. Right, I took my one piece of equipment with me, and I left.
1: So you left the two desks standing on top of each other. You left the ceiling tiles in whatever mess you left them in.
0: Like everything stayed. I didn't mess up the ceiling tiles. The carpet.
1: You did something. You ripped something up.
0: Oh, I put all the electric wires back down the false floor. Yeah, I shoved all the wires down there. Oh, and I did. Oh, I forgot. I did put. (laughs) uh, I did put cardboard blockers over most of the ceiling lights because they were too bright i didn't like them uh okay look there were some modifications that were done to that office which i didn't really think about when i left i took the ipad and i walked away
1: was there a cleaning crew in this office like were people coming in to this office yeah yeah i I wonder what it was like when like the administrator came back in there (laughs) it's like what crime was planned in this room
0: Nothing. They would come into a room that was just nice and neat and empty. A couple of things would be oddly out of place, but mostly it's fine. Now you
1: see, so. the thing is, though, like the things that you have changed, like those specific things that you did, they are, they are out of the norm enough that I think it would be more concerning. Right? That there are just like small changes that most people wouldn't make that it's like why did they choose to do things this way you know especially if that heard the thunder sounds like i think that i reckon they were happy to let you go like when you came in that day and you were like i want to go they were
0: like no problem mr gray sign <laughs>
1: here <laughs> it's time to get you out of here
0: well, yeah like i went to the front office and told them i wasn't coming back oh now. you just sent a,
1: you dumped him by text message
0: I took my iPad, I walked away, and I told my assistant to deal with it. So she 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 was in she was in touch with them saying Mr. Gray will no longer be returning, right? Oh <laughs> that, that's, gosh. So I don't I didn't handle that. I don't know how that went down. But I, I can't it was fine. Uh, everything was fine. I, I walked away, that's what mattered. So the summer happened, I was gone for a while, I came back, and we'll say for now that I, I have a much longer term plan for what I want to do with my working space. But when I came back from the summer, I thought, this longer term plan that I have is going to take a long time. That's why it's a long term plan. And I need something to tide me over for a while. So I thought, now that I'm back in London, after the summer has happened, let me take a look around and see if I can find a place to work temporarily. And it seems like in the past maybe year or two, there are a whole bunch more co-working short-term office spaces around than there were when I was looking the last time. It seems like this is, a, I don't know, almost like there's something startup-y feeling about it. Like there's a whole bunch of companies that are trying to do yeah. the same thing about like, hey, look at us.
1: It is a growth industry, I think.
0: Okay, so this is not just my perception because it feels a little bit like the food company the food delivery companies in London where there's yeah. like oh there was one and now there are ten all with knives at each other's throats, uh like out for your business. There are a couple of really big companies,
1: like I won't name them because they should sponsor us uh before we'll name them. <laughs> but like there are there wow. are a few big companies that are setting up in london and, and all over the place that that are doing this stuff like and and at a huge degree like buying multiple floors of brand new office buildings like really kind of just big big business stuff
0: yeah it's interesting it's interesting to see this sort of change mm-hmm. so I, I think i ended up looking at something like five or six different companies that were all trying to provide wow. some kind of temporary office services um because I just wanted to see what's available, and also I, I find this interesting. I mean, you and I have uh, visited office spaces. Like, there's something about this that I just I find interesting. I don't exactly know why, but it's just it's like hi. Huh, I don't I don't mind I don't mind a little tour of a workspace. Uh, see, see how things are set up. Mm-hmm. See how how different people do things. So there was a certain commonality to these places, Mike. I would say, hey, I. I'm looking for an office to rent. Like I know that you are primarily a company that's a co-working space. So you have an open bullpen in yeah. which there are people.
1: They want to sell you the opportunity of a chair. Right.
0: <laughs> yes, that is that is the perfect way to put it. Yes. There are lots of companies that are in the opportunity of a chair business now uh it's like okay how interesting this is uh i feel like this is some kind of signal about changes in the economy that i don't fully understand Mm -hmm. but like why why is this a thing that you're selling why is it a thing that so many people are buying including me but like presumably not all of these people are youtubers like i don't understand who these people all are but whatever so many many of these places will then also try to upsell some of their chair opportunities as offices. So there's going to have they're going to have some dedicated office space. But typically they are for
1: six people, right? Like I think in most instances they are expecting a company of multiple right. people to to be the people that like that take
0: those. Even right, though they're exactly.
1: really only the offices for one person, but like you shove seven people in them.
0: Yeah, so this is this is the this is the trend is. Oh yes, we have offices. Uh will there will there be eight of you? And then I show up, and it's a space in which I think it would be cruel to put three people. (laughs) But they're like, "No, no, it's it's fine. Uh, This chicken cage meets the minimum regulations, and we can put eight people inside of there." It's like, "Oh, all right." One of the first places that I went to really, really typified for me the thing that I find baffling, which is, "Okay, do you have offices for?" I would usually just ask for two people because the one person space was just comical. Right, it was. It was like, no, I will not be in this one-person space. So, so, do you have an office space for two people? Oh, yes, come right in. Uh, we have a couple. Come take a look. So, the first place I went to, is this big open bullpen, and in the middle of the bullpen, there are glass cubes. Yeah, this is exactly what it was. It was Zuckerberg's office setup. So, if you think of big open office workspace and then in the middle cubes pure glass cubes that my favorite detail the glass did not go all the way up to the ceiling the glass stopped maybe two feet short of the ceiling just high enough that if you weren't paying attention you might not notice but if you're me You notice immediately. That's silly. This was the worst version of this, but I saw, I saw so many of these things and I was looking at these, this place to work and I'm just trying, I'm trying to understand, I'm just trying to understand the world. It's like, okay, this, this office space, it provides 0% privacy over the open bullpen because it's just glass. There's no privacy here at all.
1: It's not soundproof.
0: It's not soundproofed because the glass doesn't go up to the top.
1: And it's only glass, right? So, like, it's <laughs> never going to be that soundproofed anyway.
0: Yeah, it's never going to be that soundproofed anyway. I don't know. In, the, in these situations, I, I, I don't say things, but, the, like, the girl who's giving me the tour, I, 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 I almost want to just really ask some honest questions. Like... Why was this designed this way? Who Who is this for and what advantage is this cube supposed to provide? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. But it was interesting to me that this was a recurring theme of a bunch of these places that I went to.
1: And these are different company types, right? Like you're not just going to all with like what company provider A.
0: Yeah, so that, that that's what I wanted to be clear here. And that's the thing that I found was interesting was... I think I would have been a lot more baffled by this had we not done our tours of the big campuses out in Silicon Valley because it's like if I if this is the first time I had seen this I would have been genuinely horrified right but have, having walked through the Facebook campus it's like oh okay I have a frame of reference for this now like this is this is a pattern that it feels like is being stamped across the world, is this this open space, this space where there is very little privacy, and now it is taking over office space where it's not even like, oh, this is a company and we want everybody who is in the same company to be able to talk to each other and, and work, work with each other in this open area. It's like, no, no, this is now what Different private companies competing with each other are offering to people who are small businesses, you know, anywhere from like one to ten people in size.
1: The central glass office thing makes no sense, right? Like, there is a metaphor for Mark Zuckerberg's office Mm -hmm. that, like it or not, makes sense, right? Like, look, he's the CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world. He has to have an office office. Because every right. now and then he's gonna bring somebody in. Because like they even said to us when we were there, most of the time he's working outside the office, and there are like the picture, you know, like, the picture of him with the the tape over the computer camera. Like he is at right. a desk outside of the office, which is where yeah. he tends to work with everybody else. But every now yeah. and then he needs to take a meeting, so he goes into the glass room. But he doesn't want it to be like I'm hiding away from you people, so everybody can see him when he's in there. Like there right. is a metaphor to that which has some
0: sense to it. But it is a statement yeah about his view of his position here.
1: Mhm. Which I actually kind of liked when they explained it to us cuz it's kind of like if you're going to make everybody work this way, right? Everybody's going to work in these huge vast aircraft hangars with cables hanging from the ceiling, <laughs> the CEO of the company should do this too. Like if he's making everybody do this, he should do it. So like you know, I kind of liked it that they were like, he has his desk here, he has his office, but he only ever uses it for this and this. And it's like, okay, I actually kind of like this. Like if I was working at Facebook, I would be like, okay, right? Like this is the situation that we're all in because let's be frank about this: the amount of people we have, there's no other way to do it, right? Like you just Mm got to you just got to cram all those people in those insanely large buildings. But if I'm going to see an office space and hiring an office space. I don't need that metaphor. Like, the metaphor is not required, right? Like, I don't need to feel a sense of camaraderie
0: with these other 25 companies. Like, there's right.
1: no... that This isn't required. It's just not needed.
0: Uh, well, I mean... Th- okay, so this is another thing. So... I- I, like I said, I-, I think I saw five or six of these companies. What you said right there, camaraderie. Every one of these companies was not... Mike, they didn't just want me to rent an office. Mm. They wanted me to be part... Of their community, the
1: community. Oh right. God!
0: And is this is it, it? This is a case where I I've always had a little bit of an annoyance with the word community because I feel like my, my familiarity from this has been the YouTube world, where <laughs> YouTubers who who have enormous audiences want to just talk about being a part of their own communities in a way that I find weird, uh, and and. Deflecting of what they are, but now, but now it's like I feel like this word has spread everywhere, and it it has now become. It's not just a word that I feel uncomfortable with. It's it's a word that that essentially makes me flinch. Yeah. So now when a, when an office manager is telling me about how like I like I'm I'm here to rent an office because I, I want to just work quietly on my own, and they say. we, we have an excellent community. Look, I'm I'm not like the world's most extroverted guy, but there's there's something that that feels almost like weirdly like threatening about if you're not part of our community, right? It's like everybody here is part of the community because we're all Pod people, and, and as I, like well, you're going to be a Pod person too by coming here. I just like, I just I find myself flinching away from this word because it's so forced, and I also find it so. It's so strange to go from different company to different company, but hear the same thing each time. Whereas like, oh, in our in our open office space, you will be part of the community of all the other people who work in this open office space. Because
1: it has become part of the corporate jargon for yeah, this industry. Yeah,
0: that, yeah that's, that's what it is. It's, it's weird.
1: I don't disagree with like the phrase community in the way that you do. Like, I don't have the the distaste for it like in regards Mm -hmm. to like youtube or podcasting or whatever or even like people that listen to this show people that listen to other shows like the idea of the community makes sense to me but for me it's like it is a thing that you join voluntarily yeah or like you're a part of because you enjoy something or you have an affinity for something i don't join a community when i'm giving you money right it's not a community yeah right Like i'm not buying into this community like this is an organization that I'm a part of, right? Like that is the difference. It's like I pay my dues for this organization. Like I, I'm not adapting to your worldview because I pay you four hundred pounds a month, right? Like this isn't what yes. this is.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's my 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 flinchingness is the when someone tells you a thing is a community. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, Communities are things that exist. It's it's a human it's a human function. But it's the uncomfortableness of the top, the top downness of it, right? Like this, this is our community that we're going to, we, we are building this community in this anonymous floor of an office building, right? Like that's, that's what we're doing here. It's like, like you can, you can do things to encourage a community, but it's just weird when it feels like it's a mandatory part of the thing. Like, guess what? You're, you're going to be part of this thing as part of like, I'm just here to rent an office, man. Like I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here to make friends. That's, that's what, that's not what's happening here. Um. So it was just, it was just a strange experience. Uh. And it was also just weird seeing how, how much this pattern has spread, which makes me assume that it's, it's partly must be because it's just incredibly cost effective. I also think there's a way that it that it looks good at a glance if you're not really thinking about things. But but so anyway, there, there's like a whole bunch of these different companies around. And I made a decision to try to suck it up a little bit because what I was what I wanted was a space outside of the house where I could work. And I wanted it quickly and I also specifically wanted a a place that I just, I could just get started with and I'll work on my long-term problem later. So after having toured a bunch of these companies, I eventually found one that to me was the least offensive of these things. And I have an office workspace now that is, it is not a glass cube in the middle of a gigantic bullpen, but it is a glass cube among a bunch of other glass cubes. And it's really weird. It's a really Ugh. weird thing to be a part so you of. you can like. just
1: like see through all of them?
0: Yeah. So you can see through all of these glass cubes. It's, it's like a co-working space that I used to be a part of, but if you just put glass dividers between all of the chair opportunities that, that people have.
1: I don't think I like that. Like, I don't think I would feel very comfortable. Like, I feel like I would always be on some kind of performance. Yeah, so this is –
0: I feel like I'm having an experience by doing this, right?
1: Like, I just want to say, right, like, I've worked in big buildings. Like, I've worked in co-working spaces. Like, I'm cool with Mm -hmm. that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I actually think that co-working spaces are pretty good, and and I used one for quite a while. Yeah. But if I I am paying for an office, I want some seclusion. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit in the bullpen, like, and pay – probably half the money, right? Like, if I'm in an office, yeah. I want some walls. I don't want it to just be glass. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of... I, personally, I, do, I don't... I, I, I don't like it, and I'm surprised that you've settled for it, honestly. Like, it just doesn't really feel like something that I would have expected you would go for.
0: Okay, well, there's a few things that I think you need to understand about the, the situation here. So, so, one of the things that happened essentially by accident... But has worked really well with this is um, we were talking last time about like me changing my, my sleeping schedule. Like I'm, I basically have that sorted out now and it's great. I'm getting up nice and early and I'm back into the routine. Uh, I haven't actually changed. It just took a lot more effort to click myself back into the way that it, things used to be. But so the way things are working is I'm not actually using the glass office space for the writing and the video work in the same way that my old office used to be. What I'm doing is I'm up early enough that when I go into the building, there's nobody there. So I have just access to essentially the whole building. And there are a couple of spots where it's like, great, I can just take my iPad and I can work here and I can write and talk out loud. And there's nobody else here because it's 630 in the morning. And, and there's not going to be anybody in this building for at least another two hours, really. Uh, so it's having access to a certain amount of space, and that's really great. And the thing the thing that I have ended up doing with this weird glass cube that I'm in is I have set it up as... I've set it up as, a, like, an administration center for all of what I regard as light work stuff. So this is email, this is communicating with people that I work with, this is editing the podcasts, this is editing videos or vlogs or just a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I've, I have set up that space to do this kind of work. And I've partly done it because for a very, very long time, I've done all of that work in the place where I am speaking to you right now, which is the home office in my house, which is like the podcast recording studio. But it has been on my mind ever since the summer that I want to push this idea of separating workspaces further and harder than I have before. And so what I, what I am trying to do as much as possible now is have it be the case that if I am home, I am doing no work. Right now, the podcast recording is the one exception to that. But if I'm not recording a podcast and I am home, I am not working. And I've been doing this for, I guess it's about a, probably about a month now. And I have to say, I really like it. I really like having that, that additional physical separation and I think it's working really great that like my wife knows if I am home for the most part, that I like there isn't a thing that I'm going to disappear and do. Uh, I've essentially recreated for myself this idea of like, I am going to the office because I have a whole bunch of stuff that I need to do and I'm going to go there and I'm going to work. And then when I am done, I am going to come back home. So that is the the overarching idea for what is going on is like, I wanted a place to be able to move a bunch of the light work out of the house to this second location. And that is the reason why the glass cube is tolerable because what I'm not doing in there is walking back and forth, talking out loud while 600 people in the neighboring glass cubes are all looking at me, right? That is not what is occurring in that space.
1: Where do you record the audio for your videos?
0: For now, I'm still going to be doing that in the house, but it's not going to be uh, in the office. I'm going to record it at home in the same place that I am recording the podcast, which is at home.
1: So the home office is the audio studio, and then all other work is performed in the administration glass cube.
0: Yes, that's the idea. Hmm.
1: Do you know what I'm really keen on, though? What? Finding out what this long-term plan is. I know you are. Because in my mind, you're building an office building. That's the grey towers. This is what I imagine is happening.
0: Uh, well, look, let's not get distracted by the future. Uh, in, in the meantime, though, I, I do have to say that the thing about the glass cube is... I, I, I'm with you on... There is There is a strange element to it, and... I'm able to do this, I think, partly because I'm, I'm viewing it as not necessarily a, a long-term solution. And I'm also viewing it as almost as a like an anthropological experiment. I am coming into this office environment. And it's like, oh yes. Hello, fellow office workers. <laughs> like, do, 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 like I'm just going to my desk. And yes, I I am one of you too. Yes, we are here all on the computers working together. Like I'm I'm treating it very much in this mental mode of uh, I am apart from this. Huh? Like this, this is I'm just passing through on this thing. And there are so many details about this that I find interesting and or horrifying that but i'm, I'm viewing them f- from a distance or from a bit of a a bit of a separation and, and that is why this thing is working hello cortex listeners it's your friend cgp gray recording now late at night from my glass cube do you hear that that's the sound of me knocking on the wall of my cube because I'm a nosy sort, during the day, I like to walk around and look in all the cubes, then see what everybody's up to, see what they're doing. You know what I see a lot of? Little companies with a few people building a website. A website that looks terrible. You know what they need? They need to listen to Cortex so that they know about Squarespace. If you're an 8-person company in a smallish glass cube, and you just need a website to let the world know what your business is, you probably shouldn't have one of those people spending all of their time making a website. That's what Squarespace is for. With Squarespace, you can have a website up and running in no time flat. Squarespace is the place that lets you easily create a website for your next idea. If you want to sell something because you're a company, you can do an online store with Squarespace. If you're a design agency and you need to show off your portfolio, guess what? Squarespace does that. Maybe you just need to have a blog where you can let everybody know what your company is up to. You know the answer. The answer is Squarespace. Because Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do everything you want to do. And there's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, No upgrades needed. And guess what? Squarespace is way cheaper than hiring someone to work on a website all the time. Squarespace is just $12 a month. That gives you access to all of their beautiful templates, their 24-7 customer support, everything they offer. That's why my company in a glass cube uses Squarespace, because there's no room in here for somebody else to maintain a website all the time. So right now you can start a trial by going to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up use the offer code cortex to get 10% off your purchase and show your support for the show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting Cortex and all of Relay FM. How's that Nintendo Switch treating you? It's good. I'm I'm trying to get up my Two hundred cc Mario Kart skills?
1: Mm, that's difficult. You've got to break on two hundred cc. You can't just <laughs> smash into the corners anymore. No way yes. around that.
0: Yes, that's 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 what I have. Uh, that's what I've learned. I need to break a lot, uh, and I'm not very good at it. But it's still ninety five. Actually, no, probably ninety nine percent Mario Kart around these parts. Not so much Zelda got a little bored with the Zelda. We'll to yeah. talk about that. Um, <laughs> I want
1: to tell you about a game that I've been playing for a couple of days, but I've been waiting mm-hmm. for for a long time and I I think you would like it. It's called Stardew Valley. Have you heard of Stardew Valley before?
0: I I have because you have pitched it to me before. Okay. I think on this very show you yes. mentioned Stardew Valley as a
1: I mentioned it to you as a as a game that was upcoming when you when you first got your Switch a couple right. of months ago.
0: My memory is it's a farming simulator. Yeah. Sounds it is. terribly boring. Yes. Who, wants to Who would that play
1: farming simulators, right? I mean this is why yeah. I am offering this game to you as an option. Um it is part farming simulator part RPG. If hmm. you ever played Animal Crossing.
0: No, I haven't. The only thing I know about Animal Crossing is the video review of it that Yahtzee did, which is like a work of genius. But uh no, I don't I don't I'm unfamiliar with these things.
1: Okay, so I guess the way for me to try and describe this game to you is that there is a, like a very light RPG mechanic in that there you're in a town and there are people that you can talk to and they, sometimes they'll give you quests, but you can also build oh, you your have to relationships do errands for with them. The people. You don't have to do them no. actually. It's it's way less that um, the errands that you perform for people are purely as a way to get you money quicker. Like there isn't a story that is forced in that way. Like you have to progress through this. Like by doing errands. Yeah, so I don't
0: need to find chickens for a guy to get the boomerang. Like that's yeah, not. Yeah, you this don't is. need to do that sort of stuff okay. because
1: the 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 result of doing these things is to get money from them, and then the money helps you push forward. And okay. really, the main focus that you have is building your farm, right? Like it starts off great, actually. Like I don't, I don't want to say too much because I found it kind of surprising, but like basically, you are a person who decides that you want to go start a farm. Right, like mm-hmm. this is this is kind of what you are, and there are there is a, some surprises in it for me, in that there are intriguing little things that happen, which build into a story which exists in the game, but you don't really have to pay a ton of attention to it if you don't want to. Like I feel like it's kind of got this like addition of a story that I wasn't expecting, which is kind of surprising. But a lot of this game is resource and time management, hmm. which is why I think you would like it. Like you are farming, you are creating a farmland, like you're clearing out the farmland, you're planting the stuff, you're watering the plants, you're harvesting them and you're selling them And as a way to build up more and more money, to plant more and more things and then to get animals as a way to continually make your farm bigger and bigger and bigger. Like you have this huge plot of land that you can work with and you can build up the farm and then you can build up your house and you can decorate it if you want to as like as a, something else you can spend your money
0: on. Can I automate this or hire people to do some of this work for me?
1: That is a question that I don't have an answer for because i'm not that far Mm. in
0: like i'm still a relatively
1: small farm like i don't know if it's a thing that you can do
0: (laughs) see that's that's where the sweet spot comes from in the world of imaginary work when you start thinking "Hmm, how can i automate this imaginary work well
1: so there's like i've seen some elements of this in that like so one of the things that i'm doing now every morning i have to water my plants right like i have to Mm -hmm. go through and individually water every plant that's like one of the things i have to do every day but i know it's possible to buy sprinklers like to make sprinklers okay which then take that job away from me right so like that's the thing that that i'll be able to do but So,
0: so the reason the reason i ask just to be clear here is because what i'm what i'm cautious of is the like the farmville type gameplay where the game is just playing on your loss aversion like oh you need to harvest your pumpkins today, otherwise you're going to lose them, right? Which is just solely their their mechanism to make you keep coming back.
1: Yeah, this game it has elements of that, but it's not it's not real world time. Okay. So things are only growing when you're playing.
0: Okay, all right. Right.
1: So like, if you left the game for a week, your crops don't die, right? Because you haven't been playing the game, right? But hmm. there is an element of going through and harvesting, right? You 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 will do the harvesting. But like I've been enjoying the, even though it's like it's beginning more work, right? Like to make my farm bigger and bigger. Like there was a moment where I was like, oh, that's how I make more money. I plant more stuff, right? Like it's just kind of this, this, it's a very simple thing, but like it took me a moment. I was like, I'm making a lot of money on this game because I just kind of was keeping the plot that I made the same size and was just refilling Mm -hmm. it. It's like, oh no, I should spend all of the money that I have to buy more seeds as opposed to like sm- trying to slowly save up to buy something that I needed. So, but there are like, you know, there's also like, um, there's mining that you can do, right? So you mm-hmm. go in and like, there is like a most Spelunky like mine that you go into. And there are like, uh, simple enemies that you kind of hack and slash at. And that's the way you build up resources. And the deeper that you go into this mine, the better resources you need. Like I need iron to build the sprinklers and okay, I'm confident, so this sounds
0: very Minecrafty in a way.
1: Um, in a way, yes. Like, Stardew Valley, I think the reason that it has become so popular, because it's been a very popular PC game for, for quite a while, I think one of the reasons that it became so popular is it borrows a lot of very interesting mechanics from a bunch of different types of games. So, like, Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley and Spelunky and Minecraft. Right, like, it's got all of this type of aspect in it. But it's all presented in a 16-bit art style. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very simple. Um, the controls are, are pretty simple. Like it is a good game. It is, a, but it is one of those games that, like, one of the, another reason that I think you'll like it is I accidentally spent seven hours playing it yesterday because it's just, oh, one more day. Because everything's done mm-hmm. in days. Right. Oh,
0: no. Oh, no. Okay. Right? right. Yeah.
1: So, like, you wake up, you do your stuff, and then you go to sleep. And, like, different things happen. So, like, you might do a thing and it's like you get, like, a little message. It's like, oh, tomorrow this thing's going to be on sale in the store. And you're like, well, I could that would be good, so I'll get that. And then I'll stop playing after that. But then there's this other thing that happens. And then there's another day and another day and another day. And, you know, you have limited energy as an individual. So you plan around how much energy you spend in a day, right? Like, if Just you spend like the whole life. day trying to clear out the farm, you'll get tired. But you can eat to build the energy back up. But you might want to save those ingredients to sell them instead. Like, I think this is a game you would enjoy.
0: Hmm. You're you're selling it very hard here, Mike. Because,
1: because I, I think it's great. I think it's really (laughs) great. I love it. Yeah, five stars from
0: Mike. I
1: think so. I've waited for a long time for this game, and it's paid off. Like I am enjoying it immensely. Uh, in a way that No Man's Sky, right? Like People always laugh when they hear the episode a long time ago where I talk about, oh, I can't wait for No Man's Sky to come out, and then it kind of ended up being uh, overwhelming. Dardew mm-hmm. Valley already had a track record beforehand. Uh, where it's mm-hmm. considered to be a great game. I have a bunch of flights coming up, and I'm very excited about the prospect of being able to spend six hours just tending to my crops. All right, all right. You've been pushing it so hard. I'll give it a try. I want give you it to a try this one, and you can report back. But I, I think that you would like this game. It's a, it's one of those games that's perfect for the Switch because you can take it with you.
0: Mm. Right, I don't, I don't know about this idea about bringing a whole other i know everybody that's a selling feature for the switch is oh boy you can bring it with you and i was like oh, i got another thing to bring and now i need to bring my usb-c cable to charge the thing as well i'm not sure i'm ever going to be a guy who travels with a switch
1: yeah but you should already do that because you have a macbook pro
0: oh god yes that's right of course never mind you know it's all the same charger yes universal us usb-c the universal plug that i love so much externally symmetrical internally in the wire not the same everywhere it's great i love you USB C. yeah i'm not sure i'm going to be someone who brings the switch with me here's here's the here's the thing mike it's not that i wouldn't enjoy bringing the switch with me but i think there is something there's something that i resist about the idea of acknowledging in advance that when i am traveling i'm going to be playing a bunch of video games I, th- I feel like I have a little bit of psychological resistance to that because normally when I'm traveling, it's the idea that I'm doing, I'm traveling because there's a good reason. There's a thing that I want what to do. What are you
1: doing on the plane?
0: Though? No, I like, yes, but see, in, in fantasy land, on, on what I'm doing on the plane is amazing work in an isolated that environment. That not happen. Which. So here's the problem. It's like a slot machine, right? Every every once in a while it does, and it's fantastic and I'm always I'm always hoping for that. But yes, most of the time the idea of what I'm going to do on the plane versus the reality of what actually happens on the plane is not is not one and the same. And of course, the plane would be an absolutely perfect time to bring a switch. But I'm I'm resistant to bringing the switch feels like giving in and acknowledging that the amazing work times on a plane will just never happen because I'm just going to take out my Switch
1: you're missing out like you could be playing Mario Kart instead of watching a dumb movie right like just you need to do two things one you need to buy Stardew Valley and then the next time you get on a plane you have to take this thing with you I'm telling you man it's
0: so good like
1: some of these trips that me and you take I've
0: got to bring the little card with me the
1: little card what little card
0: the, the i need to bring the little i need to remember which memory cards to bring with Why me for which you games, buying the games on my Switch. download them what oh i didn't even know this was a thing you could yeah. do i thought you had to buy the no card. the eShop.
1: you need to have an sd card like a micro sd card but they're super cheap and super easy to to deal with you just put buy like a big micro sd card pop it in the back and then you can just download games from the eShop.
0: oh i didn't even know this I was only a thing i own
1: one cart which is zelda and the zelda cartridge stays in the nintendo switch it's never been taken out from the day i got the switch so it's always there everything else i download
0: <laughs> i've been thinking i've been thinking nintendo really needs to get on this idea of an app oh store gosh. so i can just download games there's to like my a switch. dedicated <laughs> button on the menu it's like a shopping bag it's it's where you go to buy the games <laughs> never even never even noticed so go to the e-shop
1: News to me yep
0: the Stardew Valley. Do you know what like, do you know what I'm looking at on my screen literally right now, Mike? I'm looking at amazon.co.uk where I typed in Stardew Valley Switch to try to, to find the thing where I buy the card. And I didn't, I didn't see it. I was like, huh, how am I supposed to get this game?
1: Yeah, because they haven't got a physical release of it yet. It's just a digital release.
0: Oh, see? I learned something today. I see you've put the thing in the show notes, Mike. The thing that you have been bothering me about for... Six months, maybe more.
1: It's probably longer than that. Yeah. I, I think actually think this is that. the thing that I've had since my original notes document from before Cortex existed. Okay. So I want to do a Cortex book club episode on the next show. So that means in advance right. me and you are going to read a book and we're going to talk about it and we want to tell people about it now so they can read along with the book if they so choose. Right. We're going to be discussing Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen right. R. Covey. Yes. Which is a book that you've probably heard of, right? I feel like of in the pantheon of business books, this is one of the big ones.
0: Yeah. There's this one, and there's that book about moving cheese.
1: Where and is my cheese? Knows. Who Moved My Cheese? That one.
0: Who Moved My Cheese, yeah.
1: I saw an animated video version of that. Uh About five or six years ago, one time, I cannot get the song out of my head. Every time I hear it, it's so bad. It was like an animation done in the 80s, and they have this little song, a Who Moved My Cheese song, and it's just... Horrific. I'll see if I can find a link. I'll put it in the show notes if I can find a link to this on YouTube or something. Don't
0: don't do that. You're going to confuse the people, Mike. You just look. We're okay. So we got off on a bit of a tangent straight away. Yeah, we did. Because (laughs) my brain just resists and slides off Seven Habits Uh of Highly Effective People. Because I mean, okay. So here's why. Backstory. Here's why it's been in the show notes for forever. Is because I know I already read this book a long time ago, Mm -hmm. and I just I have had a great deal of resistance to the idea of reading it again, but Mike has been bothering me about it for so long, and I, d- I don't know why, but I finally caved, and so we're going to do this. So if you, if you want to be all caught up on the book club before the next episode of the show, you too can read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and we're going to talk about it next time.
1: But the thing that is always worth remembering with the book club is we're going to do our very best to give you all of the important information in the episode. So right. if you want to read along, then do it. But we're going to do our best to, to try and digest it and give you the important stuff. So seven yeah. habits of highly effective people. I can't wait yeah. to be highly effective.
0: You, you can read it, but you can also listen to the tone of my voice. And think think about me having put this off for so very long. So it's is there is like an option on the table. It's an option at the book buffet that you can pick up or you can you can pass right by. It's it's just there, but we'll be talking about it next time.
1: Gray, it is time for some hashtag ask cortex questions. Oh. So listeners, you can send these in to us. You just tweet with the hashtag ask cortex, they go into a document. And I want to try and do these more often. So we're going to start today with some questions that I've picked out from our listeners. And the first one comes from Nathan. And Nathan asks, how do you two deal with tasks that you despise but have to do yourself a must-complete in a timely manner?
0: Okay, Mike, I think you should go first on this one.
1: So the way that I handle this is knowing when I need to do the task, right? So like knowing what the deadline is and then setting the to-do item like three weeks before the due time. Okay. Because it is the constant badgering that I may end up doing it, right? So it's like, this is, like, say for example, it's a tax-related thing, right? Because nobody ever wants to do that stuff, right? Like, I guess, least, unless right. you're an accountant, I guess. I wonder if accountants right. like doing their own taxes, anyway so i would set something like three weeks in advance and know that it needs to be done and one of the reasons i do this for two reasons right one of the reasons is if it was to pop up on that final day i wouldn't be so annoyed at the universe right because it's like oh why do i have to do this
0: thing today you feel like you were given fair notice exactly yeah (laughs) it's not a surprise the boss didn't barge
1: in and be like you've got to get me this tps report by five Right. Yeah. And the other is for the benefit of work procrastination, which I believe is a thing that I've spoken about before, mm-hmm. in where I procrastinate from work that I need to do on a day by doing work that I don't need to do.
0: Yeah, which is a great
1: use of time, actually. That I feel like I can be like, oh, it's okay. I didn't do that thing I had to do today, but I did other stuff. So I have these tasks, which are like these menial because the things, these things, they tend to be like admin or like menial tasks that like only I can do. I don't really think anybody likes tasks like this, right? Which is just like there is this thing, which is an administrative thing that you don't want to have to deal with, right? Like it's entering some data into a spreadsheet, finding some receipts in a folder, scanning stuff, right? Like just this boring like tasks which don't really have a result to them, which you are comfortable, like which you are excited about. Mm -hmm. So But these are perfect time fillers. Yeah. So that's how I do it. Like I set the the task really early in the hopes that I will be slacking off one day and decide that I'll just take care of that scanning now. That's how I do it.
0: Okay. So you're hoping that it'll be an opportunity for work procrastination in the future. Like I'm tricking myself
1: basically into doing these things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? That's what all of this stuff is, right? It's all Uh about tricking yourself. I'm a big believer in the method of tricking yourself because you just like your brain is lazy and you gotta you gotta have a whole bunch of tricks up your sleeve to get anything done so here here's the thing when I look at this question All right so uh at first, I thought I was going to get a little bit out of it because um I thought, well, just like I didn't want to. Be the person who actually cancels my old office like I will hand this off to my assistant to do uh, I try to hand many things off to my assistant to do but when the question then specifies that you have to do it becomes a slightly different thing so here is a thing that I think is both good and sometimes bad which is that I cannot help but always think about like the return on investment of time or like the upside or downside of doing various things mm you know where this is going don't you mike mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so like th- i know i know the kind of question that this person is asking and look ev- everyone everyone can't do this because civilization will fall apart but i often find my brain whispers to itself what really happens if we don't do this
1: oh god <laughs> right like
0: like what's the like what's the uh... real Downside of not doing this? How big will the fine be? Well, yeah. So, so this is. How long will I have to go to prison for? How big is the fine, and what is my hourly rate? Right. And I was like, okay, well, so, like, I, I really like. Basically, I need a lot of motivation if a task falls into the category of oh something that i despise mm-hmm. that also has a deadline that i need to do myself uh it, it, it's like i need a hell of a lot of motivation to do that kind of thing so it's like if this task is not the kind of thing that can be done by somebody else it, it, it's it's there needs to be a real big downside to motivate me. So that that is the that is the honest answer to this is, I'm just not very good at doing tasks that my brain doesn't see a real upside for. Uh, I'm I'm terrible at that, and it's it's a thing that I have definitely gotten way worse at as I have gotten older. Like my tolerance for doing that kind of stuff has has gone way down so don't don't take my advice on this thing
1: this is bad advice all right this is straight up bad advice uh... well,
0: well it is bad advice because again civilization would fall apart because once you do this once and you realize hey wait a minute nothing really that bad happened it you can you realize oh i could do this more but everybody can't do that if everybody does that it's it's bad for civilization so i shouldn't even be saying it out loud on the show but i mean this is why know. fines exist yeah this is because why because everybody fines didn't
1: exist. do it at first right? <laughs> like, right so they had to start <laughs> finding people to make yeah. them do it
0: yeah but so uh so so that's my answer is i break civilization
1: This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service with the freshest ingredients. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes with high-quality ingredients that are super fresh to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. They set the highest standards for their ingredients whilst building their community of home chefs. They have a freshness guarantee that promises that every single ingredient will arrive ready to cook or they'll make it right. And all of those ingredients, they are pre-portioned. They ship to you just the exact amount that you need for every single recipe to reduce food waste and make it even more simple for you to cook these meals at home. And every single recipe comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card. When you cook with Blue Apron, you'll be learning new skills that you didn't even know you had, so you'll be able to make incredible food at home every single day. You can choose from a variety of delicious new recipes every single week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Right now, you could cook meals like maple gravy-smothered pork chops with stewed collard greens and sweet potatoes, spiced cauliflower and pepper with jasmine rice and cilantro yogurt sauce, or even cheesy chicken and black bean enchiladas with salsa verde. Wow, it sounds amazing. There's no weekly commitment. You only get those deliveries when you want them. So go check out this week's menu and get three meals free of your first purchase and free shipping just by going to blueapron.com cortex. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So get started today. Go to blueapron.com cortex. And we'd like to thank Blue Apron for their support of Cortex and Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We have been well known to uh, like to try out email apps and to-do apps. That is a thing that me and you both enjoy greatly. And Adrian wants to know if either of us have tried the app on iOS and on the Mac, Things 3. Have you spent any time with Things 3?
0: Oh, yeah, of course. I try everything. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm always mm, interested. I haven't tried this one. I mean, I've, I've tried Things 3, even though I, you know, I bought Things 2. I'm pretty sure I bought the original things.
1: I know I had the original and the and things 2, because things too was around for like a hundred years.
0: Yeah, maybe I maybe I didn't have the original. Yeah, maybe it was just things too. But yeah, that that one was around for a very long time. Um, I've tried it. Uh, I have to. Uh, I like. I like the aesthetics of things. I think I think that app has a good look. Oh, it's to beautiful. The way it organizes stuff. Wonderful looking. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, uh, I'll say, to Taoist, mm-hmm. which is very ugly, uh, I find, in in the way it arranges stuff. It's hard to pin down what it is. I just think it's ugly.
1: I wouldn't call it ugly. I would... It is an application that is cross-platform in design.
0: Yeah, maybe and, that's and what it is. And apps
1: that are that way, they don't necessarily have the beauty of, of any of the platforms that they're on. It's mm-hmm. stripped back. In a non minimalistic way, it's like stripped back in a functional way, mm-hmm. which makes it unattractive.
0: Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Uh, but so yeah, thing things three looks great. Uh, I played around with it because I just I like to keep my my mind on what are the uses of these various apps because I do I do use more than one to do manager for different purposes, and things things three just falls to me in an uncomfortable category of. It's complicated enough that it doesn't fulfill the needs for my very simple to do managers where I just want like a little list of things um, but it's not complicated enough to even come close to replacing something like Omnifocus so for for me personally, I find things three fits in a in a weird middle ground of i I would for me to use it it would either need to be much simpler or much more complicated so i can't see myself uh, personally personally using it at any point
1: yeah, the reason i haven't tried it is like a similar answer right like i already i know it's bigger and is more complex than the basic stuff that i have mm-hmm. something like do i know it's that this is an app that is bigger than take out the garbage right, right? but i know that it doesn't have any automation apps aspects So that makes it not enough. Like, I'm only ever going to move to a to do application that has a web API now because that is what I've gotten used to in Todoist. Even though I don't have a lot of things that use it, I don't want to move away from it because I like to have that if I have an idea that I can fulfill that idea. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, because that is my favorite thing about using web automation is that. I might have an idea and then I want to fulfill it. Like, so for example, we're getting married, me and Nadine are getting married next year and we sent out our RSVPs and our RSVPs were firing off a form that landed results in a Google sheet. So I set up a task with Zapier to give me a push notification when something was filled out Mm -hmm. because I just wanted to know, so I didn't have to keep checking. So like that is how I kind of see automation. Is like I have a new thing that's come up. Oh, how can I make this better for me? So Mm -hmm. I'd like to have all of the services that I have have some kind of automation in them if it's possible. And it is possible to have automation in a task manager. So I want automation in my task manager. Doug wrote in and Doug says, Mike, how do you decide between making content that will be easily received by an audience and therefore more popular and content that you want to make? And Doug goes into a bit more context here. So he says, I've noticed on your YouTube channel that your most popular video is your review of the Nintendo Switch, which has around 30,000 views. Meanwhile, your vlogs tend to hover between ten to 15,000 views. I also noticed that despite the greater success of this technology review video, that you're still making vlogs mostly. I'm personally facing this issue with my own channel, and I'd love to hear what you and Gray have to say about this. So, hmm. it's a very good question. Because the logic, like the the logical route with the YouTube channel is that I would keep making technology product review videos because they are about two times more successful than the vlog videos that I've made.
0: Well, I mean, just I'll put a little asterisk here in that. I don't think you you don't really have enough data points to say that with confidence. No, but it's but you do have an indication of it. Yeah. You know, it's like I
1: made one of them and it was more successful, right? So it's like, that's still an interesting data point because it was like, I didn't have a channel that was known for this stuff, but yet it's still either amongst my existing audience or people that were tangentially aware of me, they still wanted to watch this video and or it probably got chewed up by the algorithm more, which it would, right? Like, yeah, a video about a product is going to go into the algorithm easier than my trip to Disneyland, You know, like, you know, that sort of stuff is going to get there isn't actually a trip to Disneyland. But just in case people are like, hey, where's your Disneyland vlog? There wasn't one. Hey, where is your Disneyland vlog? I haven't been to Disneyland uh, because I didn't go to VidCon. But um, so why why do I do this? It's purely a case of the YouTube channel just being whatever it is that I want to make. Like, I don't have grand plans when it comes to the YouTube video, like if I was following just data, then sure. Like I would make videos about technology hardware constantly, but I made the video about the switch because it was a video that I really wanted to make. And I have an idea for another video at some point this year, which is also about technology hardware, because it's a video. It's an idea that I really want to make. And so the reason that I tend to make non-technology videos is because that's just where I'm being pulled to. It's, if I was, if I had made the decision at any point that like YouTube is where I want to be, right? Like that's that's what I want to do. Like rather mm-hmm. than it just being a flight of fancy, like I want to push into that. Then I would target the things that have been the most successful. But because this is kind of just like a a side creative project, I'm cool with just doing whatever it is that I'm most interested in. Because at the same time, I'm like playing around with different things and different ideas until I find the thing that I really want to make or not.
0: Yeah. And I th- I remember you at the time also just talking about that you partly wanted to do that Switch review to just try doing something different, like doing yeah. the different thing was part of the motivation behind it.
1: Yep. And the Switch video was, is, was vastly more complicated to put together than any of the vlog videos have been.
0: Yeah, you seemed real exhausted that weekend. <laughs> it was horrible. It was it was fun, but it was
1: really, really hard. I mean, and yeah. I will say this, having, like, right now I have, like, a, a Final Cut project of a vlog video that, like, I don't know if it's ever going to get done. It's just sitting there, and it's been sitting there for ages. Like, so, yeah,
0: but. Mm. <laughs> I know the feeling, Mike.
1: Yeah, I do feel I feel like you a little bit with this, right? Like I have this final cut project which is just like it's got a chip taken out of it and uh, I got too much stuff going
0: on. Oh, God. <laughs> Poor Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a side comment to Doug here when he says he's you know, he's facing this with his own channel. Like there's there's a thing that I I think that you can see people doing on YouTube in particular, which is channels that are trying a whole bunch of stuff waiting to see what hits and like and then trying to replicate those hits i think that's that's a totally reasonable strategy to do it's just it's a, a path question of like, what is success you,
1: right yeah, like that is that is a path
0: yeah it's like what what are you what are you trying to do with a youtube channel or or anything like this that you're trying to do in in the public and like well what, one of the most data-driven ways to do that it's like just try a whole bunch of stuff see what works and keep building on the thing that works that is a way over time to try and build an audience but i say like what do you what do you want to do with the thing and it's like well if you want to grow a thing as big as possible that that is definitely what you should do but that strategy also doesn't Take into account what you, as the creator, want to do. But right? that, like, that's a, that's a trade-off here, and like, that's definitely a thing. Like, I know with videos, sometimes, it's like, oh, I'm making this thing because I'm interested in this thing, and it's not, it's not necessarily going to be as popular as uh, other stuff. Um, but so you just have to know, like, what, what is the goal here? If, if your goal is, I want this channel to get as big and grow as fast as possible, then you need to follow what the audience wants more and I, I will always point out that uh my few list videos that i have ever done were done when i was pushing the channel as hard and as fast as i could because i had a deadline by which i was needed to quit my job right i was like list video time right but i haven't done list videos in a, in forever since then because that's where i was like i'm pushing more on people love lists so i'm gonna go with the data on this yeah uh but i haven't done that in in a in a while so if if you follow the data you may end up uh running a youtube channel that you don't like very much but is very popular and uh i've i've met those people and they you know they are they are very professionally successful uh we can we can say that um so yeah it's just a question about like what is what is the goal what are you trying to achieve and i th- i think like mike you have answered in particular like for your channel you're not trying to make the youtube channel the main thing and so you're just experimenting and playing around with it, and and seeing what happens over there out of interest.
1: Yeah, my, I'm I'm lucky in the sense that my my job is a creative outlet, and all well, the shows that I have about things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't see a value in chasing something just for the sake of chasing it because I don't have to do that in my day job. Right. Like, right. For me to feel creatively fulfilled in podcasting i don't have to chase the list version of a podcast i could just make the stuff that i want to make so i can't imagine with a side project wanting to do the opposite like i just make the things that i want to make right and if there is something that ever comes along one day where i'm like i think i can do this but i got to build a base first then sure maybe i'll chase after the data-driven approach but like with the youtube channel like i don't feel that like hmm. the youtube channel for me is just a a thing and sometimes i'll have a video that i want to put together because i think it might be interesting so i'll do it and if i don't do one then i'm going to beat myself up about it this is a change that i made in the last few months we spoke about it right like ideally i would like to have a video a month but if i don't i'm cool with that i miss september mm-hmm. i'm fine with that like i'm not going to mm-hmm. beat myself up over it like i'm i'm good i i, I have enough stuff to do that is more important that is my actual job, I'm not going to take time away from that to put the video together. Like, mm-hmm. I spent seven hours playing Stardew Valley yesterday. I should have maybe edited the vlog, but do you know what? I wanted to play Stardew Valley instead, so I did that.
0: Yeah, and if you, if you spent the whole day grinding away at a vlog that you didn't feel like doing, it's like, well, guess what? You've just turned your YouTube channel into a job now, right? Yep. That, that's what you've done.
1: Yep. This question comes from Samuel. Samuel wants to know if we use fidget spinners. Oh, this is
0: very on Zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. question i guess uh no i don't use a fidget spinner i've played with them i don't really get it okay do you
1: There has not been a podcast recorded in maybe the last two or three months where i haven't been using one constantly i'm spinning a fidget spinner right now
0: (laughs) i didn't know that
1: (laughs) i first got a fidget spinner a few months ago i think it was when the wire cutter put out their recommendations because like i was like what is this like what is this thing right like why do people do this so i went to amazon this was months ago like when when it was just starting to take off and amazon is just like a sea of fidget spinners at vastly varying prices and they all kind of look the same so i kind of closed the tab because i was like this is too much like i need the wire cutter to tell me and then a few months later they did the Wirecutter published an article with their fidget spinner recommendations. Mm-hmm. So I bought one of the plastic ones, you know, the ones that you have seen everywhere, like the one that they recommended, and it came and I didn't understand it. Like, it, was, it arrived, I span it, and I was like, I don't get it. Then I put it on my desk, and then I realized, oh, this is something for my hands to do when I'm recording. Which mm. is a thing that I tend to desperately need, right? Like just another way to help me keep focused to what I'm actually doing, which is talking into a computer while looking at a screen that doesn't move, right? right? Like, and so spinning the fidget spinners is a way to help me keep focus. So I have a plastic one, which was their recommendation, and then I also bought their metal one, like that they recommended as well, which is the one that I'm spinning right now, and it's a thing that I'm able to do and keep quiet. Like I have one of those fidget cube things. But that's just all about making noise, right? Like, I backed the Kickstarter for the Fidget Cube, which came before the Fidget Spinner, and that thing just makes sound all the time, and I can't be making sound. So I get to spin my Fidget Spinner in silence unless I drop it, especially the metal one, and it crashes into the table, and then I have to edit around it. But for the majority of the time that you hear me recording today, including this and maybe the last five or six Cortex episodes you can feel happy in knowing that Millennial Hipster Mike has been spinning a fidget spinner the
0: whole time. So this is your new coloring?
1: Yeah, this is the new coloring. (laughs) Although I will say on this show as well, and I've always done this, I have a pad in front of me and a bunch of pens, and I doodle. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I always have done that. Corona noticed something. In episode 39, Gray compares YouTube processing to rolling 100 D20s. Has Grey ever played anything no, like Dungeons & <laughs> Dragons?
0: I have never played real official Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar enough with it that I know the the mechanics of it. I've never played real Dungeons & Dragons. I've played... Uh, uh, I might not be remembering the name correctly, but I used to play... Uh, let me just look. Was it called Hero Quests? Oh no! Yeah, Hero Quest. That's what it was. I played Hero Quest as a kid. Wow, this this Google image search really brings back memories. Um, I played that a ton as a kid, which, as far as I can tell, is Dungeons and Dragons for babies. Uh, but I was the the dungeon master for Heroes oh. Quest in my local neighborhood for forever. Uh, so that that is a thing that I had very very many fond memories uh, for a long time of playing, and it's but it's the same idea. Like you're doing the dice rolls, the dungeon master is creating a story, and people are barbarians and wizards and all the rest of it. It's just it's a simpler version of Dungeons and Dragons. But so no, I have never played the the full full on Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Were you only ever the DM? You never played.
0: Yeah, no, I don't want to be the player. I I was the dungeon master. That's, that's the only way to roll, Mike.
1: Interesting. Okay. File that away for future use.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Zachary asked, I recently heard of going to work in cafes without your device charger to motivate yourself to get work done. What do you think?
0: I actually think it's a kind of genius idea. And I definitely know that on the cases when I have forgotten or i don't have access to a charger i am way more focused on on the work i do wonder though if like if this is just a hawthorne effect where it's like oh something has changed and so because of the change you're more focused and it's it's not the absolute state that if you started doing it on a regular basis maybe it wouldn't be as effective, but, but yeah, it is, it has definitely been a thing that causes me to focus a great deal more. I think I made a very quick reference to it on, uh, the vlog that I actually put up where I was on a plane without power in the seats. And it's like, man, was I really focused on trying to get as much done as I could, uh, while that laptop battery was, was draining down. So I'm not exactly sure if I feel like I would ever want to do it on purpose, but there is a noticeable effect when it happens by accident.
1: My concern is that I would use this as an excuse.
0: Hmm, I could see that.
1: That I would get to a certain point in the day and I have like 20% left and I'm like, might as well pack it up and go home because I might run out of battery at any moment. That would be my concern about me. I can see how it may motivate people, but I think I would use it as an excuse to, to pack up and go home.
0: Mm, yeah, you never know
1: when the battery runs out.